When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Yes, it is indeed the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport with me, Matt Beadle, and Hammers fans, James and Frankie. Fellas. There is only one place to start. Marco Arnautovic. Now, I was going to intro this, but I just feel like I should let you rant. James, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start. Um, <laughs> I'm just a little bit annoyed because, you know, I gave him the benefit of the doubt in January um, on these shows. And, you know, I know that my normal co-host, Will, was, you know, a little bit less forgiving for him. But I was like, do you know what? You know, he's, he, it was bad timing for him, but he's he signed a new contract. He said he's going to be back. Okay, it took him a little bit of time to come back into it, and he only scored in the last two games of the season. Um, but I realised, you know, how important he is to, to the cause at West Ham, and you know what we're trying to do under Pellegrini, this new era that we, you know, everyone keeps talking about. And then he's gone and done this again. And I, I only said last week, and we had a section on it last week. You know, it looks like Arnautovic is staying. You know, there's been no talk of him leaving. There's been no asking for a move back to China or over to China and you know I thought okay brilliant this could be good bring in Maxi Gomez or Rondon or whatever the other striker you know striker targets they are and then you know we can all live happily ever after and then suddenly his brother starts talking up that like his brother what, why are you talking in the media well I tell you what, why gonna, are you doing I'm, it I'm going to interject here because his brother has spoken up and we're just going to read out these quotes he's not a cow or a horse which you bring to market, is what his brother said. He's a highly talented footballer, cheers, we know that, who is simply being used by West Ham. Used, he said. He's just a number to them. West Ham were trying to get rid of Marco right up until the last minute of the January transfer window, and they're still trying to sell him right now. To them, he's just a commodity. What do you make of that, James? It angers me, because <laughs> like everyone knows that what happened in January. It was obvious what happened in January. Um his brother tried angling him a move because he wanted to go and over to China and win trophies, apparently. Um, not that anyone goes over to China to win trophies. And then suddenly he signs a new contract, gets a 20 grand a week pay rise. So who's using who here? Well, Frankie, when he signed that new contract, which seems like it was absolutely ridiculous. Now, I mean, he did his big wave to the fans, right? Said farewell to the fans. It appeared that he was leaving. He yeah. suddenly signed the new deal. We saw an Instagram video or a Twitter video, whatever it was that he released. And he said, the fans gave me the power. They gave me the energy. And that's why I have to be here. And that's why I want to stay. 
I mean, he's here with his, you know, his X Factor arms and his Wakanda Forever, whatever you want to call it, his hammer's stance that he puts out there. <laughs> what do the fans make of that when he's saying these things? Like, you gave him the power, the energy, and then six months later, it's the same thing all over again. That's what annoys me the most, because he pushed all this propaganda towards us in January, saying that he was back, he was happy with the club, and he wants to stay at West Ham, and he's, he's glad to be back. And six months later, it's the same story. He was waving goodbye in the Arsenal match before an offer had even been made. How arrogant can you be to do that? And we forgave him towards the end of the season. Well, I, in January, I was like, just get rid of him. I'll quite happily boo him. I know we had our differences on the booing. Um, but I was like, I won't cheer for him if he scores. I don't agree with it. But he slowly got back into the team. He was working hard. And it was the Mark Arnautovic we saw in the last six months before it happened. So... I was quite forgiving towards the end of the season. I was like, just give him a fresh start this season. He's a good player. He brings a lot to the side. And he's just done the same thing. So he's just stabbed us in the back twice now. And there's no coming back from this. Just get rid of him. Just sick of him, to be honest. Mm. A big problem here is that he's not just done himself a disservice, right? He's done footballers a disservice. And what I mean by that is the fact that so many times we hear new players go to clubs and say, oh, I was born to play for this club. They're there. With, I was the first shirt that I brought. Mm. To say this essentially means that he was just giving lip service because what has changed between, between January and now for him to suddenly want to leave again? His brother. Do you think that is, is strictly it? Well, Does I his think, brother want think, the money? Is think, that what it is? I think if you speak to him, his brother's his agent um, and his brother was the one you know, causing all the problems um, in, in January. And he's the one that's come out and said all that stuff today. Um, I think his brother's in his ear going, look, I can get you a, I can get you a move to China where you can earn three times what you're earning at West Ham and it'll set you up for life. And I said this in January when this all started. And I said, I don't blame someone for going, I'd quite like to go and earn a little bit more money and set my family up for life. And I, I wouldn't put that past anyone in any any profession, anything. You know, if you want to go and earn more money doing another, doing, you know, do, you know, working for another company, that's fine. But don't stab the other company in the back. Don't you know? Show a little bit of respect to, to not just the club, but the fans. The fans adored him. The fans loved him. And what's he done? He's just gone. Don't really care about any of that. Don't have no respect for you. Have no respect for the club. You know, I want to go over there and, and earn money. Um, and I, th I don't blame him for wanting to earn the money, but do it the right way. I mean, in January, it's just come out recently that the new contract he did get, he's getting another 20 to 25 grand a week. So mm. we gave him the extra money and he's now our second highest earner at the club. So what more can we do as a club to keep him happy? He's always going to be greedy. We can say as much about his brother as I think he's toxic as well. But Arnautovic is just as just as bad in this situation he wants the money just as bad as his brother otherwise he wouldn't be doing it um and i think he's just got to go now to be honest well the interesting thing about that new contract and i find this incredible that as a gesture of goodwill apparently west ham inserted that clause didn't they right so if anybody came in around june mid-june time with a bid of 40 million he could go that's now expired so we're in july now mm. apparently reports from the club are suggesting that west ham will still honor that clause just to get him out of the club. What do you think of that? I think it's a complete mess. Like, why, why, why do we have to, you know, I mean, we should be going, forget the clause, just, you know, whatever anyone wants to pay for him, 
Take it. Do you think so? Because there's been a £19 million bid, right? Apparently from an unnamed Chinese club. Take it. It, it was Guangzhou Evergrande, I believe, last January that, that wanted him. That's what the report suggests. So £19 million has been rejected. Are you happy to take anything now? So if one comes in for £25 million, let him go? I'm, I'm at the stage now where I'd rather him as far away from the club, football club as possible. And the reason behind that is that I don't want him in that dressing room rubbing shoulders with youngsters of the football club that are trying so hard to get into that first team, trying to impress Manuel Pellegrini. And they've got someone like that who they're supposed to be looking up to, by the way. Mm. And instead he's going, you know, he, he's, he's being that prima donna in that dressing room that is not a great influence on, on the rest of the squad and not a great influence on, you know, the likes of Dean Garner who's coming through. I know Declan Rice isn't in pre-season, so he's not with him. Um, but the likes of, you know, Josh Cullen will be there. You know, all these youngsters that, are, you know, have gone, right, I want to turn up a pre-season, I'm going to impress. I'm going to impress Pellegrini. I don't want to go out alone. I want to be in the first team. And then you've got someone like Arn Outrich throwing his toys out the pram because, he, you know, he wants to leave to go to China. Like, you don't need that influence. So... Whatever offer comes in next, take it, let him go, wave goodbye. Thanks very much for the 22 goals. You know, we'll go and buy someone who actually wants to play for this football club. You can just see it again, can't you, Frankie? New, new story next week. Marko Arnautovic has extended his contract at West Ham for £140,000 a week. <laughs> I mean, the fact of the matter is here, he's not going to rediscover his love for the club. As fans, I think we always want to believe that. We want to believe that after negotiations, their, their, their heart is in the club. And in January, that's effectively what he was saying. That's not the case now. So quite simply, he has to go, right? Yes, he does. But to be honest, I really would not be surprised if it came out in a couple of weeks and he had a contract extension because that's how much he's got David Sullivan wrapped around his finger right now. What he did in January was disgusting for the club and there was a lot of problems with our on-pitch performances last season. But the Arnautovic saga did play a massive part in our downfall around January time. It disrupted the dressing room Mm. completely. I'm not saying that's entirely to blame because there were there were other issues, but he's now at a stage of his career where he does want a big money move, but there's certain ways of going about it where you don't disrespect the club that has shown you so much love and appreciation. The fans have put so much into Arnautovic over the past 12 months. He started so rocky at the club. We stuck behind him and then he started to find form. And it's just it, it really is just backstabbing, to be honest. Okay, well, James, we'll get onto this after the break, but we'll just touch on it now. Because if he does go, there is a massive striker-shaped hole Mm. there, right? I mean, we've seen players already leave the club. Andy Carroll, of course. There seems to be a bit of a striker crisis at West Ham at the moment. What's going to happen if Arnautovic goes? Who are we looking at? Because we've got, what, just over a month of the window left. So he needs to be sold quickly, really, in order for you to do business elsewhere. Well, there's so many names, you know, even before this all came out. You know, Maxi Gomez is the big target. It's the one that Pellegrini really wants from Celta Vigo. Rondon looks like, you know, all we have to bid is 14 million quid and he's ours. Um, So, you know, there are targets there. But, you know, we've already let Perez go back to Spain. We've already released Andy Carroll. At the moment, we're going to be left with Jordan Hugel and, and young Zande Silva as the only strikers at the club. Can we talk about Jordan Hugel, by the way? Yeah, of course. <laughs> what, um, <laughs> There's not be- much to talk about. Do you know what? Because, bizarrely, to, unless you're a Preston fan, a, a Port Vale fan, perhaps. I mean, he was on loan at Middlesbrough, obviously, last season. I would, I would bet that you speak to most Premier League fans, an average Premier League fan, and said, do you know who Jordan Hugel is and do you know who he plays for? I'm not sure they know. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for the guy because he was signed under because the club were under a lot of pressure to, to deliver a striker in that January window. 
and they got to deadline day and they had still hadn't signed a striker and they were like, oh, this guy scored 12 goals in the championship. Let's, go, let's get him. Bought him for 10 million quid. 10 million pounds? Yeah. Yep. Put, put, they, were, someone, they had to sign someone that January because the, the fans were ready to burst. It was during that like real dodgy period where the fans mm. and the board weren't getting along and there was riots and, and they had to deliver someone and that's who they delivered. And, um, you know... The, he loves his bubbles, you know. Well, there was a great was it a Twitter or an Instagram <laughs> announcement video, which yeah. is probably one mm. of the best things you'll see on the internet. Yeah, and I mean, it's like a meme now, isn't it? Really, like yeah. you know, he can't wait to walk out with all these bubbles. And <laughs> I just feel sorry for the guy because you know he went out he went out to Barrow on loan last year, and you know I worked with the Barrow fan, and um, he was just like, "What is this guy? Like, what 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 have you given us?" Um, but he scored a couple of goals for him. But even then, he was a bit like, "You can have him back." So, Frankie, from the, the, the few games that he played under David Moyes, have you seen anything in Jordan Hugill that suggests he could be a West Ham player of the future? Not with the way the club's going right now. We want to push on into Europe over the next few seasons, and he really is just championship level at best. He's not good enough for the club. Um, but I've got respect for him. He, he, he tried, um, but ultimately he's just, he's just not good enough. That's all it is. OK, well, that is... The status on Jordan Hugill, that is the status on Marco Arnautovic. The ramp was incoming. I think we got it, chaps. After the break, we are going to be discussing Maxi Gomez and whether that move is going to come through. Solomon Rondon, you also mentioned there. He is another target that West Ham are in for, as is Musa Morega, of course, the Porto forward, who has looked pretty decent in recent seasons, I'd say. All that after the break. Love Sport. Yes, this is Love Sport, and this is the West Ham Fan Show with me, Matt Beadle, and Hammers fans. Frankie and James. Now, we are going to get on to Maxi Gomez, linked for an eternity, it seems like, mm-hmm. with West Ham. You said there, James, off air, that you feel like you've been speaking about him non-stop for the past few weeks. Now, he's done with Copper America now. This should pick up some speed. It should do. Uh, we were led to believe that nothing would happen this summer until he was finished in, in the Copper America. You know, now Uruguay are out, you know. I think um, I think something might happen, but we, we are led to believe that this is a this is a... A transfer saga, as it were. You know, this isn't going to be a, a quick deal like it was before. Now, is where it just comes out of nowhere. It's been going on since January when the whole Anatovic happened. Then, and we were trying to find a replacement. He was the main man. Didn't happen because Anatovic stayed. Um, and now, you know, we're back uh, in this situation. Celtic Vigo stayed up, which means that he's, he's going to cost about forty million quid rather than mm. the twenty million if those have gone down. But you know, I think you know if we if we want to. Re- you know, find a replacement. Then he's probably just pay the pay the release clause, and and get him at the football club because at the moment we need strikers, um, and by all, by all accounts, you know he's good enough to sort of step into those shoes. Yeah, Frankie. Apparently, it's a forty-five million pound release clause. West Ham have bid twenty-two million, which is some way mm. below that. Typical West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> the problem here as well is that Valencia are apparently interested. They've offered a, a player plus cash deal, and. Apparently, again, we always hear about friends and brothers, but apparently his friends, Maxi Gomez, his friends have said he wants to play in the Champions League. Now, I spoke to a Spanish journo a few weeks ago, and he said that part of the reason Maxi Gomez went to Celta Vigo when that top three in La Liga were interested in him was because he'd been given the advice to go to a lesser club, shall we say, go to a lesser club, get your experience and score goals, and then the big guns will come into you. There's not anything to say here that he's going to take the same stance when he comes to the Premier League. I'm not saying that West Ham are a lesser club but if he goes to the Premier League and joins a club that are below the top six gets the game time impresses that's only going to work in his favour 
I'll say we're a lesser club. Um, they've got Champions League football. Uh, he, he's he's pretty like I'm pretty sure he's adamant he wants to stay in Spain if he could. Um, and to be honest, I don't that the amount Celta Vigo want they want us to pay is 40 million release clause. But the problem with with paying a release clause is you have to pay it in full, and not many clubs can afford to do that. They don't they don't have the money in the first place to give it. So we'd rather get it through a bid accepted and pay in instalments. But to be honest. It is Pellegrini's top target, so I do uh, do want us to pursue it. I want us to back the manager as much as we can. Mm. But it gets a point where you say, hold on, does he really want to play for the football club? Are we just going to have another Arnautovic, Dimitri Payet, Saga in a couple of years down the line? We want someone long term. We're trying to build a project. But if it's what Manuel Pellegrini wants, I think that we should try everything in our power to do it. If not, move on to the next target and go to the next one. It's interesting what you say, James, about the fact that you want to just pay it right because ultimately that is what this comes down to sometimes sometimes you've just got to pay the money and whether that mm. means getting rid of some players i mean who who are we looking at byram could potentially be offloaded i don't know some other names reese oxford maybe could go obiang is another name yeah, that is potentially yeah. dead wood is that i mean you, you can raise cash from those players and then pay that 45 million but the problem we've got is that there aren't many areas in the squad where we can really afford to to sell now um you know that, that we've bought We've signed two goalkeepers for some odd reason. I don't know why. Yeah, the David um, Martin. I mean, was the David Martin one just a, you know, an Alvin connection thing that yeah, they felt like West it was Ham an fan. Let's they had sign to scratch? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's probably it's probably David Sullivan. Just kind of, I'll be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> be nice. <laughs> the problem is with David Martin is that all people remember from last season is the error against yeah, Brighton yeah, in the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, but then we've signed four nows, which okay, luxury signing. Um, I think it'd be a good signing long term. I think we might have to give him a bit of a chance to get you, you know, get used to sort of playing in a different country because mm. he's still quite young. But um, but it's not really a position that we needed to sign anyone in. No, um, we needed to sign a holding midfielder because um, as much as I love Mark Noble, you know, to bits, you know, he's not getting any younger. We need someone to fill in alongside Declan Rice. Um, so I, Obiang can do that role. So I don't think we can really afford to sell Obiang at the moment. Sam Byram, okay, we've not really had him for about two years, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind so much if we did sell him, but we're not going to get a lot of money for him. Um, the Gomez money is going to come from selling Arnautovic, and if we need to stump up 45 million quid up front, then we need to get that money for Arnautovic. And I know I said earlier, take what you can for him. You know, If we can get 25 million quid for Arnautovic and then top that up with another 20 million quid, you're telling me another, a Premier League team hasn't mm. got 20 million quid lying around. They have. Um, you know they've earned 120 million quid in TV money. Mm. So, we, you know, if Pellegrini, as as Frank, Frankie quite rightly said, if Pellegrini wants him, just get him because Pellegrini is a man that we're, we're led to believe gets what he wants. And all of the signings, bar one or two, which have been quite questionable since he arrived at the football club, have all paid off in 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 one way or another. Who are your questionable ones? Um, I mean, I did question Carlos Sanchez. I know he was injured last year, so it's very difficult to make a, a complete judgment on him because he did get that season in an injury quite early on. Um, Lucas Perez filled a gap for a little while, but again, you know, I he was definitely not up to standard. Um, but again, he was probably one just to fill a gap. Uh, and Wilshere was the big one because we all know that Pellegrini really fought for a three-year deal for, for Wilshere, um, and then he's injured for most of the season, and that was a really questionable one from, from Pellegrini. But the rest... Um, we're all very good signings. Okay, Yarmolenko spent all season out. 
but he's going to be a very good player for us. He's showing signs of it just before he got injured. Uh, and then we all know about, um, you know, we all know about Anderson, Diop, Balbuena, Fabianski. You know, real solid players that really improve, improve the football team. So what? Whoever he wants, we should. You know, David Sullivan should be going. Okay, I'll go and get him. Mm, well, Fabianski in particular. I mean, at seven million, that Wonderful, is yeah. the snip of the season, if not the snip of the decade. An yeah. incredible signing that, but. If it's not to be Maxi Gomez, Frankie, of course, Musa Morega has been touted, as has Solomon Rondon. Now, Morega's 28, Rondon's 29. I'm not saying that it's a case of legs gone as soon as you get near to 30 years old, but are these the types of players that West Ham need to be in for? I think Rondon would be a really good signing for us. Um, he's proved he's Premier League proven. Uh, he would suit Pellegrini's style of play, in my opinion, and he's he's going to score you goals. For Morega... I don't know a great deal about him to to sort of make a comment on it, but if it again, if it's what Pellegrini wants, then if he's a target, then try and make it happen because I trust in the manager. I'll back the manager for whatever he decides for the club. But out of those two, I would probably suggest that we go for Rondon. He might be a year older, but he will he will cost a, quite like ten, fifteen mil less, and we know he, we know he can do it in the Premier League. So. He's a striker that we need. We've we've been crying out for a goal scorer for so long now. We thought Hernandez would be that person. Mm. Hasn't really worked out. Um, you have to go back a while to to find find a decent West Ham Premier League striker. So, I I think Maxi Gomez should be the first target. If if that doesn't work out, I think Rondon should be the next one. Um, and if that doesn't work out, just keep going down the list until until you find people. But eventually, you're going to run out of players and end up with Jordan Hugel mm. come come August. So. Dangerous. Well, <laughs> we always, it always comes back to Hugel every time. <laughs> Poor bloke. Solomon Rondon. Now, this is a player who I've looked at quite a lot over the past four or so years that he's been in the Premier League. Now, for me, if you're going to survive in the Premier League, we all know you have to have a striker that scores goals. Solomon Rondon, for all his hard work, is not prolific. If we look at West Ham strikers over the years, right, you need someone, I'm going to be generous and say you need a 15-goal striker a season. I can't think of a name, correct me if I'm wrong, at West Ham, who's managed 15 goals over the course of the Premier League in the past 10, 15, 20 years. I think the last player to do it in the Premier League era for West Ham was Marlon Harewood. Incredible. Which is, what, mid-2000s. Mm. So we're talking over a decade ago. Um, but I think, I, I see what you're saying about Rondon, but at the same time he's played for West Brom and Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, both of Both teams of which... Are, haven't been the most creative of, of teams, um, particularly West Brom. Um, and I just think, you know, if you put him in front of the likes of Lanzini, the likes of Anderson, Yarmolenko, four nows, you know, he'll have chances to be able to put away, which I think he's lacked probably in the style of football that he's had to play at, um, at both West Brom and, and Newcastle. So I think he has a better chance of hitting 15 goals at a club like West Ham and the style that we play, the creative players he left behind him. Than you know, than at West Brom and Newcastle. And to be fair, if you speak to most Newcastle fans, they will tell you what a, a brilliant player he was for them last season. Regardless, I think it was eleven goals he got throughout the season in the Premier League. But his contribution to the side, they're gutted that the turmoil they're going through at the moment means mm. it's very unlikely they're going to get hold of him. West Ham in London, an attractive prospect as it always is. Just quickly going back to Musa Morega. Now he's 28, like I said, he got 11 goals last season, 20 plus the season before. The big thing I think was his Champions League form. He scored in six consecutive Champions League games to get Porto to the quarterfinals for the first time in X amount of years. This is your archetypal strong 
forward man, a, a, a target man, as it were. Is that the type of player that West Ham need? Potentially. I think with the way Pellegrini plays, that could suit, that could work. Um, but then again, he's he's playing in the Portuguese league. I saw him this season in the Champions League against Liverpool. He really didn't do a lot, but that's that's Liverpool. But as for Mariga, again, I, I'm I'm a bit cautious on that one, to be honest, just because I, I haven't seen him a great deal. But again, it comes back to if Pellegrini wants him, then then you should go get him. You mentioned Hernandez, that it hasn't quite worked out mm. for Chicharito. Why is that? Why do you think it's not quite worked? Because he he's one of those where it seems like a lot of the time he's played, he scored, yeah. albeit in the box every single time. Mm-hmm. But he, he did well for United in the Premier League, obviously went away. We're talking about a, a guy who scored goals for Man United, scored goals at Real Madrid, scored goals at Bayer Leverkusen. Why hasn't it worked at West Ham? I mean, I think he joined at the club at a really difficult time uh, and that really worked against him. It, it, we, we just moved to the stadium. Um, Bilic was under a lot of pressure to make things work in this new stadium on the back of what was an amazing last season at Upton Park and... He, he, he's turned up and um, after a real tough first year at Upton Park, you know he's he's had to come in after a lot of disappointment with Zaza and you know all, all that you know all the all the riots in the in the stadium. Billich gets sacked six months into his his stay and you know he's had David Moyes in charge who obviously he fell out with at Man United um, and it all just it all just didn't really work for him because Billich wasn't playing him every week. Because he had Arnautovic, um, and then when he did play him, he was out of position, or he was coming on for ten minutes. And then Moyes did a very similar thing because Moyes then decided to play Arnautovic, you know, as a, as a, an actual striker, which then put him further down the, the pecking order. And then Pellegrini's come in, Arnautovic is in form, can't drop him. So then he's had to just make do with be, being the, the the backup striker, and he did a good job of that. But I can understand the reasons why, you know, behind his, you know the fact that he wants to leave because he still feels as if he can he can actually do do a good job as the the main striker at a football club. You mentioned a great name there, Simone Zaza. Not I wouldn't say great. Well you know what's funny, right? I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Yesterday was in fact the three year anniversary and it's funny how Twitter does this, right? We seem to celebrate anniversaries for the most random things on yeah. random years. It's no longer like the five, the ten, the twenty five. It's any year there's an anniversary. Yesterday was the the three year anniversary of his stuttering run up for that penalty, which bizarrely was the summer that Slavon Bilic deemed I think deemed that's why him. we signed him. Yeah, well, well, it was so crazy because that was what we all saw of Simone Zaza. And then literally, what, a couple of weeks later, because Italy went out as a result of that penalty shootout, oh, West Ham have signed that guy who did that funny run and blazed his penalty do, over the bar. Do, do you know what? It was actually, we played Juventus in a, in the, the friendly, the first ever game at Upton Park. Um, and it was like the curtain raiser to the new stadium. Uh, sorry, London Stadium. It was the first, first ever uh, curtain raiser. And he scored the winner in the last minute for Juventus in a 3-2 win against West Ham. And he just knew, yeah, we're going to sign this guy. And they <laughs> signed him. And he was awful. <laughs> Brilliant. Simone Zaza, if you're listening, all is forgiven. OK, after the break, we are going to be discussing central midfield. Why is this an area West Ham are not focusing on improving next season? This is Love Sport. Good evening, this is the West Ham Fan Show with me, Matt Beadle, and Hammers fans, James and Frankie. We're going to be moving on to central midfield next, gents, because this is an area that, for some reason, Manuel Pellegrini doesn't feel like he needs to strengthen. Now, 
Declan Rice is obviously the standout name here and I'm quite surprised that there's been no transfer speculation regarding him yet because it seems like the perfect fit for a Manchester United who are building a squad around young English players and of course Manchester City with a Fernandinho who's now 33-34. They need a replacement for him. But for now, it seems like no one's coming in for Rice but he can't do it on his own. No, he can't. Um, I don't think he's ready for that big move just yet. Um, we're fully expecting it at some point. But And there were rumours that United were interested early in the summer, but I think they went went away very, very quickly. Um, it's way too soon for him to, to make a move like that. Um, but he can't do it on his own. You know, Everyone sees last season as his breakthrough season. It was actually the season before, I think, that he really put you know put the nailer down as as the guy that you know could potentially be there for, for many years to come and, and get the England call up. It was only really last year that people actually took notice of him. Um, but he needs help there. Mark Noble does a great job. He has done for the last 10, 15 years, but he's, what, 32 now? And he's not going to be there forever. Um, and So a contract to 2021, Mark Noble, right? I mean... Is he ever going to leave West Ham? Surely this he is won't. just a player who's going to stay at the club forever. He right? will, and he'll end, up, he'll end up taking a coaching job when he retires. He might probably push for a season extension on that because he won't want to hang up his boots. He's that type of guy, that sort of player. But um, we need to bring in someone that can deputise and, and, and actually fill his boots for a long period of time alongside Declan Rice because the long-term aim has to be that Rice is going to be in that squad for, for many years to come. Mm. We can't have that mindset that well, we've only got Rice for one or two more years because we end up sending him to Man United for 50 million. You know, it's got to be, well, Rice is our midfielder for the next 10, 15 years because that, that should be our ambition, you know. Uh, let's get someone in that can, can be there alongside with him. Um, you know, that's why I'm a little bit surprised that we've still got Obiang and Carlos Sanchez sort of sitting there. Frankie, so what are we talking about with regards to options here in midfield? You mentioned Obiang there. You mentioned Jack Wilshere before already in this show. I forgot about him. Well, this is, I mean, this is a staggering thing, right? Jack Wilshere, who was a big, big signing for West Ham. He was a big, big signing for, for Bournemouth when he went there on loan. Didn't really do anything at Bournemouth, which is why he went back to Arsenal. Didn't really do anything in that final year where Arsene Wenger finally said, you know what, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. It's time for you to move on. He's moved on to West Ham. Have you seen anything? Anything in Jack Wilshere, he's 27 years old now, that makes you think he might he might return to that player. We saw at Arsenal with that fantastic Champions League performance against Barcelona all those years ago. Can that player return? Yes, but it's, it's just with his injury record, it's very unlikely. Jack Wilshere is the, the best technical player we have at West Ham, in my opinion. Um, it's just keeping him fit. If we had him fit for, throughout the season... He would be one of our best players, probably up there with the best player. But again, it just comes back to the injury thing. But we have a real lack of defensive midfielders at the moment because Carlos Sanchez is, what, 32, 33 years old. Noble's getting on. Obiang wants to leave. He wants to go back to Italy. So really, we've only got Declan Rice and Mark Noble in that sort of holding position. I know we were, before we signed Pablo Fornals, which is a great signing, we were targeting defensive midfield. We were looking at the likes of Lobodka from Celta Vigo. Mm. Those are sort of all-round centre mids. But we sort of we've sort of paid our attention away from that now uh, after we signed four hours. But that could sort of shoot us in the foot a bit because if Declan Rice gets injured, we're in we're in big trouble in that position. It does make me wonder. And we've seen pictures of Reese Oxford 
out in pre-season training. It does make me wonder whether Pellegrini's looked at him and gone, okay, perhaps we could use Reese Oxford in this position. I know, Frankie, you're, you're shaking your head here, but, you know, and I, I wouldn't be too keen on that because, you know... Would you Oxford, not? This is a young, no. homegrown but, player, but, no? Look, look at... It's very, very similar thing with attitude, I think. Um, that's the reason why he hasn't made it at the club or anywhere else he's been. Um, it's the reason why I'm watching Gladbach probably didn't sign him when they had opportunity after his season on loan. Um, there are a lot of question marks over his attitude, um, but whether he can, if he can put that behind him and, and you know improve and you know actually grow up a little bit and you know accept the fact that you have to work hard to, to get to the very very top of this game, uh, and he might be looking at Declan Rice going, oh, I should have been that player. You know he had the opportunity to be Declan Rice four or five years ago mm. and it, it never happened. Um, Perhaps he's looking at Declan Rice going, I quite like the idea of playing alongside you. Uh, he, could learn a f- he could learn a thing or two off a player like Declan Rice. So maybe Pellegrini's got that in his mind. We don't know yet. We won't know until pre-season goes on and, and we see what he's trying to do. But maybe that's why we haven't spent any money there. Well, Frankie, I know you're itching to get in here. At the heart of it, with Reece Oxford, have we not got a player here who, as a 16-year-old, I believe he was, in that opening game of the season against Arsenal, had Mesut Ozil in his back pocket. Have we not got a player there? Look, when that match happened, the amount of hype around him was insane. Like, the amount of attention and everything that would have come onto him from that game would have been overwhelming for him as a player at 16 years old. To go to Emirates and play like he did was phenomenal. But per- I I personally don't think he's, he's even got the quality to match that week in, week out. I think he had a, a, a fantastic performance, don't get me wrong but I don't think he's good enough. I don't think his attitude's good enough, like you said, James. And I just don't think he's good enough to play for us and start for West Ham. I don't think he should be near our starting eleven. And like you said, the attitude problems, there's been a lot of stories about his attitude. And it's just not someone I want at the club. It's not someone I'd probably want to have in the club in a few years' time. Before Declan Rice, like you said, he was the future of West Ham. But we gave him a con- 20000 a week contract and his head just got turned, his attention's turned elsewhere, and I just don't see a future for him at West Ham, and I think we can do a lot better in that position, to be honest. OK, so who is good enough? And actually, before that, we saw Kuyate leave last summer, right? In hindsight, was that an error to let him go? I wouldn't say it was a hindsight. I mean, uh, uh, I wouldn't say that in hindsight it was, because he was getting very lazy in midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of fans were beginning to get a little bit frustrated with him. Um, I wasn't that upset when he left um, because you know there were a lot of clips going around on Twitter of him just sort of just wandering around while the you know the the opposition's attackers were just sort of passing the ball around him in the area, and he was sort of just half-heartedly tracking the ball. And um, and you know when you see a player doing that, and it wasn't just once in one game; it was it was several games that you know he was caught doing that, and you, you thought, well, okay, well. Selling for ten million quid, I think what we got ten million quid for him. Hmm. Um, you know, thanks very much, but you know we're we're better than that. Um, you look now and go, we could probably do with a player like him in midfield because you know we haven't spent there. Um, but his his laziness, I think, probably would have cost us long term because you know that's where it was getting out. I don't know where he was getting bored or where he just couldn't be couldn't be bothered. Um, but I don't know. I don't think that we'll ever regret selling him. But he would have been a good squad player. Frankie, who would you like to see come in if a central midfielder, a defensive central midfielder, was on Manuel Pellegrini's radar? Oh, um, 
just to put you on the spot. Not not like a specific name, but someone that can that has the technical ability to pass the ball about, but can also just just like the complete central midfield player. Someone like I know this is out of context and out of proportion a bit, but who Spurs signed yesterday? Endembele, mm-hmm. the perfect all-round centre midfielder to partner Rice would be fantastic. But I know I know that's a bit out of our price range and out of touch. But there are players out there that are in our price range that could probably do just as good as a job um, alongside Rice and could help him in midfield. Because I think if we had someone in that central midfield position alongside Rice, we would be such a better team. I think it's such an underrated position for us. The amount of times that we are split open in the middle of the park is is criminal. And if we could just find that perfect midfielder, I'm not I'm not an expert. That's not my job. But um, there's got to be someone out there for us better than Reese Oxford. Okay, so all things considered, and the fact that you do seem to crave this central midfielder, and I don't want to bring the mood down, but Pablo Fornals obviously has come into the club. By all accounts, it looks like he's going to be a good signing, someone that, that fans can be excited about. But was this really a player that West Ham needed? Not really. You know, Lanzini was just coming back from injury towards the end of last season. Um, and everyone knows how good a player Lanzini is on his day. Um, he is our creative force. He has been ever since Payet left. Um, he's the guy that, you know, everyone was looking at to make things happen. Um, everyone always will look at, you know, being the player to make things happen. And he scores goals as well. Um, my fear is that, you know, Fornell's coming in. Where does that leave Lanzini? Where does that leave Anderson? Yarmolenko? Um, suddenly we're a little bit top-heavy going forward because we've still got Michael Antonio um, who can play anywhere in that midfield. Absolutely really. anywhere. Literally, I mean, I think the only position he's not played in is in goal for the club so, so far. C- can I ask you the general consensus on Michael Antonio? Because if I think if there was a term to describe or describe Michael Antonio, I'd say it's rough around the edges because he can be absolutely brilliant and then he'll do something to make you think that's like Sunday League football. He just never looks in control of the ball. Yeah. He's been Ever. everywhere the ball. It's like he's been everywhere the ball has been. Yeah, but he's, he's scored. I think it's what probably over thirty goals for the club since he signed for us what four or five years ago, which is crazy for someone that doesn't look like they're very good at football. But he is very good at football. He's, he's brilliant. I so, love him. So from the fans' perspective, fans, all fans are in favour of, of Antonio. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, you won't. You've got a player there that gives one hundred and twenty percent every single game. You know, you never see him. Having you know, he might have a bad game, but he's still trying. He always he always looks absolutely shattered after about ten minutes, and that's when you know a player's trying his hardest. Even if he's playing wing back and he don't want to play there, he doesn't mind. He just plays there, and he gets the job done. He might have a bad game, but you know he got the winner at, at Spurs last year, and I think everyone will love him forever after that. Now, one of the things that I've always thought about West Ham over the past few seasons is their starting eleven, and when West Ham come up in discussion, it's always been a case of try and name their starting eleven, and you just don't ever seem to know. Do you think that we're getting, Frankie, I'll come to you on this, do you think we're getting closer now to West Ham having that, that rigid eleven that you'd see with the likes of Spurs, West Ham, Man City? More often than not, you can say that's who they're probably going to play. I think we're slowly getting there. I think last season was a transition season for Pellegrini, but I think going into this season, I think he knows what his back four is now. He knows it's Diop and Balbuena. He knows Fredericks is now our best right back and he he, he prefers Masuaku on at left back. So I think he's got the defensive side of it things sorted. But attacking wise, like you said, the signing of Pablo Fornals, there's a lot of creativity going forwards. So he's just gonna have to find out what his best eleven is. But I think roughly we've we've got six or seven players that will be on 
will be, will be in the starting eleven quite consistently. Touch wood, they stay fit. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're slowly getting there. I think it will take a few more seasons, but I'm definitely seeing positive signs at the club. Okay, well, one of those players is none other than Snoddy. Robert Snodgrass, who has agreed an extension to his contract this week with West Ham. We're going to be talking about Mr. Snoddy after the break. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. Yep, this is the West Ham Fan Show with me, Matt Beadle, joined by West Ham fans, James and Frankie. Now we're in the final stretch and it's time to talk about Robert Snodgrass. He has extended his contract this week with West Ham. Safe to say this was a player who, when he was signed under Slavon Bilic, was signed for, what, 10 million plus, seemed to be played in a completely different position to the one that he believed he was going to be playing in. I think he even said that after he went on loan to Villa and said, you know, I I didn't know where I was playing. He put me in right midfield. I didn't want to play in right midfield. He felt like Bilic just signed him because he needed to sign someone, a bit like you said, with Jordan Hugill. He went on loan to Aston Villa. He's returned to West Ham, a big fan favourite. Yeah, I mean it's it's a wonderful little turnaround from him. I mean, there's that as you said, there's that famous uh, uh, thing that where apparently he when he was coming off off the bench for his debut, Billich went, "Okay, where do you want to play?" <laughs> Classic. And he was just like, "Oh, I'll, I'll play on the left." So he goes and sticks him on the right, <laughs> and uh, and obviously you know something's wrong there, then you straight away off the bat. But I this time last year, I was fully expecting him to be sold. Um, Pellegrini coming into the club thought he's not a Pellegrini Pellegrini's like, I like Robert Snodgrass um, he's going to go he spent a good season on loan at Villa um, you know thanks for you know a, a really average six months but you know he's, he's, it just wasn't the right move for him at the time and don't forget that when he, when we signed him we signed him to replace Dimitri Payet because Payet had just gone and we had to, we had to find someone to fill his boots Um and now look at him. He's, last season, he was wonderful for us. He just tries so hard. And this is a guy that's literally completely turned everyone's perception of him at the football club, from the fans to even the hierarchy, who, who's, you know, the owner's son was, was caught slagging him off in, in, in the media. Um, and he's now got himself, got himself a new contract and... He's one of fans' favourite players all of a sudden. Well, he said he tries so hard. Frankie, I've got this theory that football isn't rocket science, right? As a footballer, if, even if you have limited ability, I'm not saying that's what Snodgrass has. He's a very good player. Mm. But all you've got to do is just try a bit hard. If for a 10-minute period in a game, you just run around like a rabbit in the headlights, then fans are going to recognise it and go, crikey, this player is giving his all for the shirt. Robert Snodgrass tends to do that, doesn't he? Fans aren't stupid. They can see what's going on. With Robert Snodgrass, like you said, he he came into the club to replace Dimitri Payet. He was never, ever going to get to that level. Just Billich didn't know where to play him. He's asking where to play. It just didn't work out. He's getting slated by the owner's sons, like you said. And he came back to this preseason last summer, and everyone was just like, he's just going to, it's just a cheap, cheap sell, get a bit of money for him. But Pellegrini really liked him. And there's a reason for that it's because he's a professional. He will put 110% into everything he does, whether that's training, whether that's match days. You can see that on the pitch and you can see the reflection of what he does on the pitch. As soon as he's running around and gets the crowd going, it gives the, the team 10%, 20% more. And like you said, you don't have to be the best player in the world to play football. It's not rocket science. Obviously, you have to have the quality and he does have quality. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a Premier League player. But he, he tries, his, he gives it all. He puts it out. He leaves everything on the pitch. 
which is what West Ham fans admire about him the most. And he also, off the pitch, he's he's a gentleman. He does a lot of work with West Ham charities and he's really won over the mm. fans and he's just he's just an unbelievable person. James, you're nodding your head there. I'm going to throw some stats your way because this is a, a huge thing in football nowadays. We seem to live and die like stat. by stats. Now, Robert Snodgrass last season made 33 appearances for West Ham. Eight of those came off the bench. Two goals and five assists. Is being a try-hard enough? If you, if you make that all competitions, it's four goals and nine assists. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm purely basing this on the Premier League. I apologise. <laughs> I didn't think we talked about the FA Cup after the AFC Wimbledon debacle. Yeah, that's very we true. don't. <laughs> um, I mean, he was out. He finished top top of the pile for assists in all competitions in, in the squad last year. Um, I think I still think he has that creative ability. Um, I think what you know, I, I think trying hard at West Ham specifically um, is important because as as Frankie quite rightly said, you don't have to be the best player in the world. As long as you try hard, you get the love of the fans. And at West Ham, more often than not, you're not the best player in the world. Uh, unless you're Palo de Canio or Mark Noble. Uh, <laughs> and then you are the best player in the world. Um, so, with Snodgrass, as soon as you start trying hard, fans go, okay, well, we've had plenty of these these people in the past where they're not the greatest. Um, but I don't think Snodgrass gets enough credit for actually being a very good footballer. Um, he had a really tough start and then spent a year out on loan. A lot of people forgot he even played for us. Mm. Um, so for him to come in and completely change his West Ham career around um, in the right way and actually just go, I'm going to let my football do the talking, you know, I've got so much respect for the guy. And his comments after he signed that contract and said it's so great and it's such an honour to play for such a brilliant football club, that is the sort of player I want in that dressing room with all those youngsters. Right, that is the sort of player that Arnautovic should be looking at and going, I should be, I should be like that. I'm not saying Arnautovic should suddenly sort of declare his love for the football club, but that's professionalism. That's the player I want Declan Rice to be looking up to. That's the player I want Dean Garner to be looking up to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, he's, he's, he said something special, didn't he? Feels like something special. Exactly. It's happening at the London Stadium right now. What I would say is, he a player who's going to fall foul of these attacking midfield options you now have in four hours. In Fernandez, in um, Lanzini, is is Snodgrass, for want of a better term, just one of those players that can sit on the bench because he's happy at the club. I think I, I fully expect him to be a squad player next season. I don't think he'll be a regular starter, um, with just purely because we've got better players in the, in his position. But that's not to discredit his quality. That's not to discredit what he can bring off the bench. If we're one nil down and at home and chasing a game. He's a great player to bring on, bring a bit of energy into the team. And he, he, like we said, he does have the quality. So I think, yeah, he will be probably just predominantly a squad player. But again, we've got so much respect for him that I think he'll be quite happy with that. Okay. Now, we've got about five minutes left of the show. I know you kind of discuss this most weeks in this show, but just your opinion on Manuel Pellegrini, how that season went, how this summer's going and what you're hoping for next season. It's, it is cliche, but it was a transition season. He came in, spent £100 million. Um, There was a lot of expectation around the club, a lot of excitement. Things didn't pan out. We had the Marco Anausovic saga. Injuries has really not helped him. He's had Lanzini out, Yarmolenko out, Wilshire out, three of our best players for the majority of the season. So I think if we can keep everyone fit this season, he's, he, the players now understand what he wants from them. Um, so I think 
I think next season's it's looking good. If we can just bring in another good striker and perhaps a centre midfielder, I think we'll we'll have a very solid season. James, what's the aim? I think I think the aim this season has got to be um just don't fall backwards. Um and I'm very, very wary that, you know, after after the whole last season at Upton Park, everyone got excited, new stadium, new era, we're gonna start finishing the top six. We came very very close to finishing the top four that year. Um had it not losing had it not been losing to Swansea and Stoke in the last three games. Um so we as West Ham fans we're after one or two good seasons we're very quick to get a little bit ahead of ourselves and I'm a little bit wary about that. I think Pellegrini has done a fantastic job since arriving at the club. I think he's brought in the right players. He's trying to bring in this big team mentality, which regular listeners will know me and Will have had a long, long discussion about in the past. Um I got a bit sick of hearing it from Pellegrini last year. Of, um, of hearing, of hearing what's the, the whole big team mentality thing right. because you know he, he started going, Oh, I want a big team mentality, but then we went and lost the Bournemouth away, and it was just mm. like, Come on, mate, you know, it takes a bit of time, stop talking about it, let's just get it done. Um, but you could see him slowly bringing that in, and um, you know, wins against Arsenal, you know, the, the draw against Liverpool, the results like that beating Man United, results like that showed that that was beginning to happen. Um, and I think you know, a couple more years, as long as we don't go backwards, I think we need to consistently finish in the top 10. Everyone's talking about, oh, you know, West Ham could be the team that break the top six this year. Let's slow down. Mm. If we if we do that, great. But I don't think we're ready for that yet. I think we need two or three years, finishing the top ten, potentially the top eight, and then let's go from there. Are you happy at the London Stadium now? Last week there was the the baseball furore, of course. All this this dirt was piled in, and and Astra turf was like 140,000 tons of it, or something, or square feet, sorry. Of, of fake turf that came in to the London Stadium. I know primarily it's a football stadium, but it does seem to be being used for all sorts of other activities. It's fine. It? We're not paying for it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't think the stadium's as bad as anyone ever said it was. You know, everyone everyone who used to, you know, say bad things about it was because they missed Upton Park, and I get that. Um, I've said so many times on this show, it's not as bad as everyone claims it to be. It's an OK football stadium. And anyone that says it has no atmosphere, clearly don't turn up and try and create an atmosphere. If you want an atmosphere at the ground, you turn up and sing. You know, you can't blame there for being no atmosphere if you're not prepared to sing. So it's a good it's a good stadium. We just need to make it feel a little bit more like home. Okay. Agree with that, Frankie? Yeah, I agree. I think the London Stadium, I think we share quite quite a similar view. I don't think it's that bad. And I think one thing we should be targeting next season as well as a as a league is going far in a cup and yeah, putting all into a that. cup because that's what sort of was our downfall this season. And and yeah. Europe, potentially? If we're in the group stage, no yeah. more qualifiers. I think just hold off on that. Just <laughs> just take each game as it comes, but the cup, the cup is important. Fellas, it has been nothing but a pleasure. Thoroughly enjoyed the past hour. That has been the West Ham Fan Show for this week. We will see you next week. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.